You are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach. And although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. Are you a founder or a business owner? And are you feeling stuck in your business? Do you feel like you've hit a certain level and you just can't get past it? Well, today's episode is for you. And I want to introduce to you Scott. Now, he has helped nearly 20,000 new businesses and nonprofits and with his business partner started and led their multi-million dollar business through an exceptional and extended growth phase. So we're talking over 10 years of double-digit growth, all before he turned 35. He founded Scale Architects to help founders and CEOs identify and implement the one essential strategy they need right now to get them on the fast track to predictable success. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, Kim. It's so exciting to be here. I love doing podcasts. Podcasts actually completely transformed my life. And so every opportunity I get to step up to the mic again is an opportunity, hopefully, to create that same transformation for someone else. Love it. Love it. So Scott, let's let's get right in, into it today. You know, can you get stuck as a business owner? The question that I like to ask folks, like they feel like they're stuck, or even if they feel like they, they're okay, most folks who come to me as a business coach, they want to get to the next level. I get some version of, I want to get to the next level. And the question I always ask is, what is the next level? How do you mm. actually define what do you call it? What's its name? What's the route to get there? And we have no idea. Absolutely none. And when you really get down to it, most people actually describe the next level as more of the current level. It's just, it's a lot more of what we're doing now. We just want to make more money doing it. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In fact, there are seven distinct levels that founders face. There's seven distinct stages of the journey that we all walk. And if you don't know what those stages are, how can you possibly know how to progress through each one? Okay, well, that just blew my mind right open. You know what I found really interesting there, Scott? Something that you said was, was that they're trying to get to the next level, but they're trying to get to the next level doing the same thing that they're doing right now. And, you know, I have faced that a few times and not even really realized it. And, but then there was this moment where I'm like, okay, I've got to change. Or, you know, there was a revelation or I was at a workshop and I heard something or I was watching a YouTube video. Like there's always that moment where you're like, oh, I finally get it. Like I can't keep doing the same thing and expect the same, expect different results. So just loved that, Scott. Yeah. And it kind of makes us all sound a little crazy, which if we're entrepreneurs, let's face it, we are a little crazy, but we're not stupid, right? Why no. is it that really smart, really driven, really clever people all fall into the same thing? And you touched on something really important. It is that there is no external 
validation that the stage has changed. Right. Mm, so if you were yes. an employee rising up through the ranks, you start at the front line, you get a promotion, a new job title, and now you're a manager. That's hard enough as it is. Learning to be a good manager is hard, but at least they have the benefit of knowing that the game has changed. For mm, founders, true. when do you become a manager as opposed to a solopreneur? Is it when you hire your first employee or your 15th? Is it when you hire your fifth or your 10th? When do you actually have to start learning to be a good manager? And it's this perfect example of what happens is the stages are invisible. The, mm. They change without notice. And usually we have to kind of sit around and wait until an event kind of wakes us up. <laughs> But it's, it's actually not necessary. If you know what the stages are, you know what to look for, you know where the kind of milestones and demarcation points are, you don't need someone to tell you that the stage has changed. You don't need to guess whether or not the stage has changed or kind of hope that you can figure out what you need to do next. There's a very clear path. I've done this with a lot, a lot of founders. And there's a very clear path that we all walk. Now, your variables are different. Your timeline's different. Your own desires and what stage you actually want to get to. All of that is, is, is different. So I'm not here to say this is what you have to do. I've just seen a lot of people do it well. I've seen a lot of people not do it poorly. And what I found separates the two is those who do it well for an extended period of time understand how to recognize the signs a stage change has happened and they're able to adapt and develop a new skill set to succeed in that stage. You, you just unpacked something there that I think most entrepreneurs, professionals, you know, speakers, they don't realize that each level requires a new skill set. You know, something I, I've thought about as I've expanded my business, because, you know, I'm in publishing and many times people have said to me, Kim, you need to be charging more. Okay, fair enough. But I realized a couple of things. First of all, I knew I had to be ready to charge more. And sometimes I realized I wasn't ready to charge yeah. more. Yeah. Like whether it be systems in my business, whether my mind or my heart was ready you know, one of the big things I realized was that I would have to expand my network of people into a higher level network if I wanted to charge more money. So usually before I, you know, charge more money for my services, I actually start working on my network and connecting with that next level of people that I have to connect with that can afford those products and services. So I think you were so right there that you know, there's, a, there's things that have to happen. There's skill sets, you know, and even, even mindsets, um, you know, your network, your, all these kinds of things, you know, you might have to put new systems into your business to handle yeah. the next level, yeah. right? Because you can't do 100%. everything on your own. So love that. I love that, Scott. You know, um, I want to talk about your story and we'll, we'll do that in a few minutes, but first audience, you know what time it is. I have a lot of resources that I love to give away and, and be able to help you in your publishing journey and to help you use that book to grow and scale your business. So we are going to stop for a quick 15 second break and uh, you can find out about a re re resource. Yeah, that doesn't work. Free resource that RTI Publishing offers. One of the keys to becoming an author is hiring the right publisher. It's the difference between having a book that converts readers into clients and one that sits unused on a shelf. Check out seven questions to ask before hiring a publisher. Get it free at authortoauthority.com slash publisher. Welcome back. 
Scott, I do want to talk about your story, but I'm just so curious. Cannot wait a moment longer. What are those seven stages? Like, I please go into it because now I'm sitting there going, I wonder which stage I'm in. What stage am I in? And that's the first thing. So I'll share a little story. This isn't my story, but this is a story that kind of helps answer the question. So I was six, seven, eight years old. Remember exactly. This is back during when there were malls. I think at least I'm old <laughs> enough to remember malls. And you know, those novel things that had stores on the inside and before Amazon. And I wanted to go to Foot Locker. I wanted to check out a new pair of shoes. And my mom wanted to go to JCPenney. And she did not want to check out a new pair of shoes because, frankly, she didn't want to buy them. Uh, and so I talk her into, okay, let me go into Foot Locker. And she said, JCPenney. And all is well in the world. We, it's a win-win. So I go in. I look at the shoes. You know, you can only look at shoes so long. So I come out, you know, my little six, seven, eight-year-old self, and I'm wandering through the mall and realize I have no idea where I am. <laughs> no idea where I am. You know, call it seven-year-old. Mall is a really big place, and I'm right. a really little guy. And 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 I remember just this, like, you know, like the dread that you get inside. Like you just you feel it, and I don't know what I'm gonna do. And it was right at that moment that I spot, you remember the big triangle kind of pylons that used to be yeah. like by every other entrance. I don't know why they didn't put them in front of every entrance, but every other entrance. And what was on this, one of the sides of that pylon? It was a big map, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. What was, there's a little circle on that map. And what did that circle say? You are here. That's exactly <laughs> it. And I remember the sense of relief that I had to know, oh, this is where I am. And from there, I could, you're kind of making circles like, where's JC? Okay, there's JC Penny. To get to where you want to go, you have to know where you are. Yes. And that was something I struggled with as a founder, as a business leader, for reasons we've already talked about so far, is that it's just not a clearly marked path, right? We're out mm -hmm. there forging the way. I felt like every day I got up, went into the business, and me and my team walked off the face of the map. I had an idea what was behind me. I could tell anyone what was behind me. I had no idea what was in front of me. And because of a couple of, frankly, very bad experiences with coaches and consultants, I, I didn't think anyone knew the path in front of us. We had largely kind of forged our own industry. So there was no one in the industry to look to. You know, again, we had some, some folks come in and tell us to do stuff that really wasn't things that we should be doing. And, and so... I had no idea where we were. There was no, like, I didn't believe that a map actually existed. And, and it wasn't until a podcast that I recognized, hey, there is a map. There is a way that we could go. And, and, and it was about this model called the predictable success model. And it talks about organizational stages. And I now have the work, and this is a lot of context here. I've got the opportunity to, to work with organizations as they progress through their stages as well. But the thing that I found that was missing from that was the personal journey that founders face. And so when I started to kind of replay my own story, when I started to replay the countless stories I had seen in my launching and, and planting days, I started to recognize there are seven distinct stages that we all go through. And I'm just going to, I'm going to list them off real quick because in a podcast, it's just not fair to try and really teach these. So we're just going to introduce them and it's going to spark something. So one more little piece of context before we get there, because these are so hard to recognize, what I did was I took a sports team infrastructure and analogy. You'll see what that means in a second. But just to give us a picture of what that looks like, I found it's really helpful for folks. Even if you don't know sports, it's okay. It's going to make it easier. So where does it start? It actually starts before the beginning. It starts every great founder story 
at least the true one, start with this stage of being dissatisfied employee, maybe a dissatisfied student, but a dissatisfied employee. And the what I liken it to is kind of being a trainee on the sideline. What you want to do in that stage, you really want to learn how the business works. You know, we've, we've typically figured out a lot of how not to's. I'm not going to treat my customers that way. I'm not going to treat my employees that way. I'm not going to structure my day that way. But we haven't quite figured out the how to's. And, and that's really the goal of that first stage is figuring out how, how do we actually you know, do coaching and consulting if you're a coach. How do you sell coaching and consulting services? How do you market them? How do you introduce? And and the more we can learn out pre-launch, the easier our launch phase becomes. But what happens is you just don't want to sit there for long, right? Dissatisfied employee says it all. Like, I am done. I want out. I'm going to go hang my shingle. I'm going to do my thing. And so what happens? You We quit our day job. We go all in. And that's where we enter stage two, which I call the startup entrepreneur. So we've graduated now. We got this big smile. I call it the entrepreneurial smile. It's it's this big ear-to-ear grin that masks the agony that we're in inside because it's hard. It's hard, but it's glorious, right? There's not a founder out there who who cares that it's hard because it's theirs. And And this stage two is all about being the star player on the field. Right. There's a lot of leadership books that talk about getting out of your team's way, et cetera, et cetera. And all of that's true once we get to those stages. But in the beginning, yeah. it's it's about learning how to do it. It's about getting out of your own way. It's about the mindset. What's going on between our ears? What's preventing you from being able to charge more? What's preventing you from getting bigger results for your clients? What do you need to learn to do the business that it is that you do or to sell the business that that you're trying to sell. And and so we enter this star player mode that's very much about our own skill and expertise. And where that's lacking, that's where we need to, to sharpen our game. And it's happened somewhere, I, I say when you've hired a handful, because it's it's actually a little, it's different for everybody. When you've hired a handful of employees, maybe you've got contractors, doesn't really matter what the format of that engagement is, but you got other people who, two things, you need to tell them what to do which is weird because you don't like being told what to do. And two, they cost money. You have to keep them fed. And so simultaneously, what happens is what feels like it should be making your life easier because you're adding more people to help actually feels like it makes your life harder because you're constantly having to go in and manage them and, and tell them what to do and, and how to do it sometimes. And, and it's exhausting because it's like, I'm doing this and they probably hate it. So they must hate me. And so we're all just miserable together. It's, it feels like that some days. It's not all bad. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of fun that can happen here as well. But personally, it's kind of hard. And what happens is we enter into the third stage called the reluctant manager. And what makes this stage so hard is that it's like being a captain on the field. You have to do your job and get everyone else doing theirs at the same time, right? You have to manage all these people and then you have to sell four times as much as you used to because there's four times as many people when, as when it was just you. And, and so it's, it's just this, if you could give all your time to leadership, you know you could be a great leader, but you can't. You've got so many things you've got to get done in a day that it's like, how are you possibly going to take time to learn all these new management skills, which are a waste of time anyway? At least that's what we think. And, and so. You know, you just wrestle through it. And most founders will kind of just get enough to make do. They never really become great managers, not because they can't. They're not necessarily wired to do it, but they can become great managers. But tend to just be reluctant managers and do it the minimum that they need to do to at least keep the thing moving forward. And oftentimes, you know, frankly, that's enough. Uh, It's enough to just you get a couple of the right people. and, And that's key. 
You've got to get the right people early on. It's a very specific type of person we talk about in the book. But uh, once you get the right people, you get enough of them in there and it's, the thing takes off. Like it starts to go. And there are these just like really brilliant days and really hard days. And it feels like the highs are getting higher and the lows are getting lower. And it's like everything you find when you grow a business, it doesn't get better. It gets bigger. <laughs> you don't have less problems. You have more problems and they are bigger. You don't have less money. Hopefully you have more money, but it changes much faster. And, and so we start hitting these milestones. You know, some people it's a million dollars. Some people it's $10 million. Some people it's a hundred million dollars. It doesn't matter. There's this idea of once I get to this dollar number or this number of clients or this much in profit, I will be better. I'll be okay. And what happens is either one, we, we just never quite hit that mark or even worse, we do and realize there's nothing different on the other side of it. And it leads us to this fourth stage that I call the disillusioned leader. And, and you've got a founder there. They're very successful from the outside, right? Usually multi-million dollar organization. Like they are, they've defied the odds. Everyone around them thinks that they're amazing. And they're sitting there Monday morning thinking, is this it? Like, is this really what I did all of that? Uh, I gave everything for this. But they, they don't feel like they've got the freedom to complain about it because people are like, what's wrong with you? It's wonderful. But for a founder, there's some people need to hear this. It's not wonderful. You may be making a ton of money, but you know it's not about the money. You may have a great team around you and it's not all up to you anymore, but you know it's not about that either. And left with this question, is this really it? Is this as good as it gets? Because it there are there this kind of prevailing trend in the season of it's just hard to show up. and i call it the disillusioned leader you thought that leading a company that was bigger was going to be better right and it's it's just bigger and it's like being a coach on the sideline you're not in the field anymore right you actually i'll have folks who who say i feel like i'm sidelined i don't know what i do on the team anymore i don't know how i add value i just feel like i'm getting in everyone's way and, and a lot of folks, they, they reach this stage and it's so hard that they wonder, again, is this it? And unfortunately, a lot of people exit, right? Either they sell their company or they just kind of shrink to a size that they can do by themselves, or they just settle that they're going to be miserable, which is probably the biggest tragedy of all. And what I liken it to is you like, and everyone likes movies, but you like a good story. Everyone likes a good story. And if you actually look at a story, you look at your favorite dramatic movie and you go to about 90% completion. You know, we're not quite there yet, but we've been through most of the movie. You'd think, hey, we've, we've achieved about 90% of the success. That's not true at all. In fact, just about everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. You know, there's been triumphs to at least like, you know, we've got to have a couple wins in there. But you look at it, that like, you've got 10, 15 minutes left in the movie. It's downright depressing. I, I was the Top Gun Maverick movie came out a couple of years ago and my wife and I were at the movie theater and we got a call with about 10, 15 minutes of the movie left from our babysitter saying like, SOS, you have to come now. So it's like we dropped the popcorn and we're gone, right? It, we're back. It took me two years to see the last 15 minutes of Maverick. And, and I, I remember walking out, I was like, this movie's tough, you know, cause it's like this, they're crashing and people are, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's emotionally hard. It's physically hard. Things are going wrong. If we quit there, right. If I never saw the last, it's the last 15 minutes that makes it all worth it. And for folks who are in that disillusioned leader stage who feel like, you know, I can get bigger. I know how to do that now, but why? And, and the answer is not to get bigger, it's to get better. And, and if you can start 
change how you show up as a leader. If you can start to put a couple pieces in the right place, get the systems and processes you need, you are one step away from the single greatest transformation in your journey as a founder. It's mm -hmm. remarkable. And that's where you go to stage five, which I call the chief executive. Now, this is a title you've been using since your first business card, right? You founder and CEO. But this is, we're stage five, and it's actually the first time that you have the opportunity to act like a real CEO to be a visionary leader, right? To have an executive team working around to go and execute on your plans. is It is beautiful. I talk to folks who've been able to make that transition to stage five. It is, it's like it's a completely different person from four to five. And it's like being the GM in the box. You know, you get to see the game, but there's air conditioning now, right? You don't, you don't even have to be there necessarily at the game for it to succeed. So that's stage five. It's being a chief executive, really stepping into that role for the first time. And for a lot of folks, they think like, that's it. I've arrived. But there's actually two more stages and they're, they are wonderful. So if you do the CEO stage really, really well, you get the opportunity. And this is what founders get that's different from every other leadership journey. And that is that you have the opportunity to become an owner. This is where you heard lots of people talk about own, not run. And if you try and skip to this stage, it doesn't work. But if you can do the legwork of these earlier five stages, you succeed at each one of them. It sets the stage up for you to own your business and not run it and to do it for a long time. You can own it for as long as you want. You are entirely control in control of that timing. And, and so it's being a true owner. It's a really cool stage six of the process. Last but not least, and this is really my heart for folks is to show, hey, this is what the journey can look like, is stage seven where you become a visionary founder and you realize it's not actually about you. Hmm. This whole journey was not about you. All the skills that you've built up to this point don't find their fulfillment in you. They will find your fulfillment in being able to help others get a leg up in the journey behind you. And that's what makes this whole progression worth is being able to step into that where just for the love of the game, you get back in the game, right? Just, just to be there with other folks who are doing it and to help them out. So that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> Those are the seven stages. Well. You know, there was a few things I was thinking of. I actually wrote them down while you were talking. Like you were talking about being lost in the mall. And I remember even as a teenager, there was one mall in Toronto, one of the main cities in Canada where I lived, and was called Sherway Gardens. And it was a cloverleaf. So it was like four circles that all converged in the middle. I am directionally challenged. Even with a map, I get lost in that mall all the time. I couldn't figure my way out. Even with you are here was great. But I couldn't remember which leaf I parked in front of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. And, and you bring up a great point, And that is that for every one of us, we bump into that challenge. And it's different for different leaders. There's different skill sets. But somewhere in this journey is a stage that you are particularly not wired to do well. There's yeah. one. It's not that you can't do it. It's just so unnatural for you that you, you might not have the confidence to kind of get over the, the hill, if you will, without the help of a guide. Yes. And so having a guide that not only understands success in a kind of generic term, but knows how to achieve success in the stage that you're in right now can be an absolute lifesaver and a, a, a massive accelerator for your success along the way. Oh, I agree. And then you were talking about, you know, when you're that new founder, the new entrepreneur, that smile, whatever. And all that made me think of was that, you know, when you start your business, it's like you're pregnant and everything is okay. It's not always rosy. I mean, there is morning sickness and some people like me have it for a long time, but 
you hit that stage in pregnancy where you're excited and you can feel the little one kicking around inside of you and everything is bright and glorious and then you go through labor and that's hard and hurtful and but you think okay but i got the baby and you think but, life is going to be wonderful and amazing yeah. and you've got this little being you know, and then one month later, you haven't slept in how many days and, you know, the reality of it hits. And it's kind of like that with entrepreneurship, right? Like you, yeah. you're all excited. Everything's great and glorious. And then you hit a few months in and the reality of, you know, raising this kid or growing this business yeah. is hitting you in the face every single day and that's yeah. hard to get past sometimes it sure is there's a reason it's called the disillusioned leader and that that means at one point in time we were an illusioned leader you know like there are there are illusions of grandeur that there's no judgment with that it's actually necessary right we yeah. have to be like i was on a show and he's like yeah to be a founder like a wire has to get crossed somewhere and that's true. Like there's uh, normal people don't do what we as founders do, but normal people don't achieve the results that we were achieve either. And so true. there is a little of like, they called it for Steve Jobs, his reality distortion field. We see things where it's not there. Uh, and, and, you know, some, and the journey of, of either proving that to be really not there or the journey of proving that actually you did see it and it was there. It's hard. It is very hard sometimes but it's not impossible and it's a lot easier when you know the way. Yeah. Well, there's so much more we can unpack in those seven stages there, Scott, but we've got about, I don't know, six or seven minutes left and I do want to have an opportunity to talk about your book. So first of all, tell us the name of your book and what's it about? It is about this. It's called The Founder's Evolution. And I go through it and I detail out every single one of those stages we just talked about. We talk about the strategies that are effective in that stage, why you ended up in that stage. We look at who you need to help you on the journey. So one, it's actually one of the biggest things is yeah. you know how to find the right people that you need for that stage. And again, it's a new skill. It's a new a set of people. And how do you find them? And here's, the, here's actually the most important thing. I close every chapter in the book with this. And, and I always want to make sure in an opportunity like this, we have an opportunity to pause for a second because the risk of having a map, of having clarity on your destination is that we just kind of put everything else on hold until we get there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a terrible traveler. I take no joy in the journey. I'm all destination the whole time. And so I'm just, I'm a little bit of a miserable person to travel with if I'm frank. And, and that's okay when it's like a couple hour journey. But if this is a, journey that you're going to go across your lifetime, do not make the people around you suffer with walking with a person who's not happy until they reach their destination. To bring this a little bit closer to home, when we were 25, we had our first boy, first son. Two years later, we had another. And I remember the first two years of their life as a 25-year-old guy, you know, on fire for business, let's go, let's do this. I, I don't really know what to do with these guys. Like, you know, like you're, you're better equipped. Like they want you give them back when they're two, three years old, when they can kick a ball. I don't know. It was like, I loved them. I just had no idea what to do with them. To be frank, I missed so much in those first couple of years. I was around. It's not like I was gone the whole time, but I just didn't take advantage of the joy that was available to me. Fast forward 10 years. We had our third sweet little girl whenever I, after I turned 35. And I was a different person at 35 than I was at 25. Had a, we had been through some stuff that gave me a new appreciation for those first two years. 
cannot tell you in the course of this episode how much joy I got out of those first two years of her life. I'm not any more equipped to handle them. I still have no idea what to do with myself, but the only thing that changed was me and my perspective. Yeah. And so I end each chapter in the book, each stage in the book, with a, an opportunity to just pause and recognize what I call the gift or the joy that's available in each and every stage. There's something, no matter how hard the stage is that you're in right now, no matter how difficult the challenges you face as a leader, there's something about this moment that you won't get to experience again. There's yeah. some type of, of gift, of activity, of like just reward that actually you're going to have to sacrifice to move on. And so you're going to feel the pain of sacrificing it when that's necessary. So take the time to enjoy the benefit of it now. And so for anyone out there, oftentimes it's not that you need to get to the next level. It's that you need to enjoy the current level more. Love it. Love it. Okay, Scott, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask every single author that comes on the show. And I realize you haven't published the book in print form, but I'm pretty sure this still applies to you. What has been the good, the bad, and the ugly of writing and publishing that book? You know, it, you know this better than I do. Writing the books, for me, is kind of the easy part. I actually enjoy the writing process. I cheated on it a little bit because founders are super busy. And I've started a lot of books and not finished them. And I didn't want that to be the case for folks. So I wrote a much shorter book intentionally, which is actually part of why we didn't traditionally publish it because founders need, they need to know, especially when they're in these tough stages. So that wasn't the hard part of the journey. The hard part of the journey was getting it out there and thinking like, is that, what do they think? Right. Cause it was me, right. It wasn't a book. It was me. And I remember the first couple of times I presented based on the book, it's like, I don't know how this is going to land. You know, I had been doing talks and like, you know, with other people's material and things like that. This is the first time I really brought all of me to the table and the, the, just the kind of anxiety around that, the vulnerability of it. But the flip side of that is when you get someone who really means something to you say, Hey, this, this, you're onto something here, right? You, you get those. And it's just like, oh, it's, it's amazing. It's really been a wonderful process. That is awesome, Scott. All right. Well, we are pretty well at the end of the show here, Scott. So what I would love for you to do is to share one final thought. And if people have enjoyed today's conversation, how can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Just again, can't help repeat, enjoy the journey. I mean, really is. I get folks, again, who come to me all the time. They want to get to the next level. They don't know what the next level is. And, and uh, almost half of my work is just helping them to recognize what joy is in front of them right now. A happy founder is a growing founder. An unhappy one, whew, it is. It's not a pretty sight. So that would be it. And then I uh, just had, would encourage anyone head over to scalearchitects.com slash founders. They can get the book for free. We've made it available for free to everyone. And you can find what stage you're in. You can find what stage you want to get to. And I'll give you a couple very simple strategies on how to do it. Thank you so much, Scott. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then I highly recommend that you scan back a bit to episode 423, Taking Your Business to the Next Level with my dear friend, Claudine Pereira. Uh, this episode was like so great in laying a foundation and she will continue that process in that episode. So if you're watching on YouTube, 
there will be a thumbnail somewhere on this screen. If you're on your podcast app, make sure that you scan on back to episode 423. Audience, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've You've been been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Tim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.